You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Tune in next week when our show will be in zero gravity. I, I think that's right. Anyway, message somebody at gmail.com for requests or hit us up on Facebook at the Somebody Likes It page. Boom. What? You just pointed like... Welcome to 2017, everybody. Yeah, Mark just ambiguously pointed... You're like in between me and Ryan. Yeah, so... Well, it's because uh, you're, you're slightly askew this evening. Yeah. A little so bit. Everything's... Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm dealing. It's like the... Like watch hands or something like yeah, yeah. I, I, oh, you are dealing with it. Yeah, you didn't like shut down and throw a temper tantrum this time. When, when well, he's got some ports. So I think the ports, think the ports getting him through. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Ryan was not pleased the first time that we moved him without telling him we were moving him. I think. Him I think if you're gonna say any, if there's a, a, a definition of an adult temper tantrum, <laughs> my point was that you know, like on the first day of class, and you pick that seat. That's your seat, and. Uh, Anyway, it, it got moved on me without, you know, uh, prior notice. And to, your, to your credit, you seem to roll with it now. So yeah. I'm good on you. Well, you. And to his credit also, I think you were, what, like really sick or hungover or something? I was not feeling well that day. Okay. I can't remember. Yeah. Well, not necessarily. And we should probably let Mark uh, tell everybody why why our seating is askew this evening. Oh, we have a special guest this evening. Tell us about him. Um, this special guest is uh, Matty Wishnow. Uh, who actually happens to be my boss and um, actually happens to uh, to kind of be the proprietor of this room that we're we're sitting in. So um, he's an extra special guest. Uh, and uh, Maddie, I'll let you introduce yourself uh, a little bit about your back backstory. Sure, I'm, I'm definitely not the proprietor. I'm the renter. There's someone else. Like someone else, uh, I got to write checks to. Uh, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, my name's Maddie. I've, I've been uh, living in Austin for almost six years now. I grew up in New York, and I'm a super consumer of music. I've been collecting records since I was a teenager and spent a long period of my uh, adult life selling records. I, in the 90s, I started really what was like the first vinyl record store on the Internet for, um, for indie rock. What was InSound? InSound.com, yeah. And uh, it was a labor of love uh, for many, many years. Um, and uh, got got uh, was very lucky. Got to listen to a tremendous amount of music and sort of um, be there as the sort of the vinyl renaissance um, started happening. And and also got to be in New York when New York went from being a pretty shitty music city to um, you know Brooklyn being the epicenter for a lot of great music. It's fun. Yeah. Brooklyn Brooklyn's fun to go see music in. Gentlemen. Do we get in some theme music? Let's do some theme music, and then after that, we'll uh, let, we'll, we'll, we'll explore we'll further. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. I'm Kevin, and I'm Mark. This is somebody who likes it. So the relentless celebrity bloodletting of 2016 is finally over. Good God! Yeah, like I, every time you turn around, it, it was, was carnage. It was, yeah, they were all year long from the same families. You know. Anyway, well, think about the fact that like how long have we done this show now? Like, and then last year it became Probably like, like a, two and a half years, something like that. Yeah, it became a reoccurring segment on the show, basically half of the or three quarters well, of the fucking year last year. And if you yeah, remember, kind of. it actually started the tail end of 2015 because we started getting into this whole concept of... Was it we, Abe Vigoda? We, we were the, cursing these, yeah. oh, these right, celebrities yeah. because we would mention uh, somebody in, in that following week, they would, they would yeah, die. Yeah, I said Merle Haggard, and then like, the next week he died, like yeah. before the next show. Yeah. And, then, and, and Lemmy... Was was part of that as Lenny well, and, and then Abe David Bowie was kind of like the it just kicked off. Two thousand Prince was another one. Yeah, we brought up Prince, yeah. and it turns out it was Shane that brought up Prince. Yeah. Celebrity um, death watch. But, your but I think we 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 started to catch on midway through two thousand sixteen that it didn't matter what we said that it was it just was a, just going to keep happening. Well, well, the point going. being is like here we are at the end, now in twenty seventeen, and fortunately we're we're part of a year where celebrities can safely live forever. So yeah. no no yeah, more death. That's it. I don't. No. I don't know that that's empirically true, but still, one would, one can dream. A boy can dream. So um, usually, when 
when we have a special guest, we ask that person to uh, we throw you in the deep end. We make the new person pick the pick the record. And so Maddie picked this week's record. And do you want to share with us what you selected? Sure, sure. I, I so I read um, I read the uh, a, a list of the records you guys had chosen previously, and so many of them I liked. And so I had to dig a little bit deeper, and I chose uh, a record by a band called Songs Ohio. And the album was the last album they recorded under that name, and it's called Magnolia Electric Company. Yeah, I'd seen that name around Songs Ohio, and I think I'd heard when uh, turns out Jason Molina the basically the principle of that project. Yeah. Like, I get into their Wikipedia page, and it's like, Jason Molina was, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, uh, dude, I read I, a piece on him last year. I've, all, I've wanted to listen to this, to this band for a long time, but I never had. I read this, like, by uh, this, like, crazy piece about, like, how he ended up, like, it just basically was, a, like, not just a career retrospective, but also, like, I guess the guy that, I can't, I can't re- totally remember now, but he, he, they, like, he knew him. Like, he followed this band, and and went through like his crazy eventual his alcoholism and eventual death because of it and all that stuff. But we can save that for. I don't we'll, want to we'll get, get into that too much. Of that. That. Yeah, I just seen the name around, and I recall something that I heard on NPR like three years ago when he died, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'd like yeah. heard of that dude." You know, <laughs> the thing that struck me really funny about or odd about this, I guess, is that for a while. I I thought about this on the drive up here for a while. Uh, secretly Canadian was my flying nun, which is a weird thing to say for people who aren't who don't know necessarily those flying nun the New Zealand like, label. I was yeah, say, uh, uh, I thought that was Australian, but, but yeah, I guess you're right. It's New Zealand. But yeah, we we have talked before about um, swearing at motorists, who uh, is a completely great but also thoroughly ridiculous band from Dayton, Ohio, who duct tapes a flag up to the back of the. Well, uh, secretly Canadians, what, uh, Bloomington, uh, Indiana? Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, still is. Yeah, but um, but anyway, I so it strikes me odd that I was so into that label and I missed really what, like, the I, orbit was all around, which yeah, was this band. It's true. I, I'll, 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 I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit something very similar, which is every, you know, I was so lucky at InSound that records would just land on my desk. And I remember the first uh, songs of Hiya 7-inch. I remember the first records. And I remember listening to them quickly. And it, I don't know if you guys remember a 90s indie rock band co- from Boston called Karate. You guys remember Karate? I remember Karate. That's so, not ringing a bell to me, but go, go ahead. Uh, I feel like I should remember them. That's a great So band. I listened to the record, and, and it sounded exactly like uh, Will Oldham or Pal- the, the Palace um, Brothers, Palace Songs, um, mixed with Karate. And it, for me, it, it was like, this is just kind of boring. And so as and then for the first three records, I just ignored them. And then fourth, fifth, sixth records, and he, he eventually changed the names under which he recorded. And then um, I finally listened to it, started listening to him right before he died. So this is like a, this is almost like a midlife rediscovery of a band who was like right in my backyard. And I just went through like a Jason Molina bender uh, it, right it, before he died. Yeah, I think I had the exact same thing. I've I, just in the last few years... Um, it was always there, like I always knew the name, but um, but there are a lot of friends of mine that I respect their musical opinion very much that love the shit out of this band. Myself, I think it's pretty all right. It's pretty good. It, it's, it, it, it does answer the the musical query that I've always had, which is uh, what would happen if uh, Neil Young fronted My Morning Jacket? Because oh. here you go. Well. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's. I was like, it's like a, it's like a bar band roots band with like a poet singer, but except the bar band is actually good. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's a solid record. It also is like kind of the male uh, Lucinda Williams. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, better lyrics than Lucinda Williams. Uh, uh, yeah, but kind of a languid pacing to it. Languid pacing yeah. is good. Yeah, a lot of lot of there's a lot of. It's it's sort of like a, the the record. I I don't feel like it's meant to, to with the music to really stir things up too much you know it's more of the lyrics there's not a lot of melody there's like a lot of lyrics I and mean, the songs are are awesome some of them are great what's the third song something simple keep it uh, simple keep it simple yeah, yeah. that song is that that's a stand i really like the one that the other guy sings yeah that's what um, i was gonna say and so, it's, <laughs> and so for the first part of the record um okay so yeah solid band i guarantee not you know don't uh, didn't love this record but liked it pretty much very much um, I think if I had seen them then live, I would have a totally different viewpoint. It seems like one of those bands that really would have killed it live, and then I would have just been 
would have been one of my favorite bands. Yeah. And then the first four songs are good, are really good. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's number five and number six, the old black hen where the other dude sings. And then Peoria Lunchbox Blues were basically they hired Yoko Ono to sing. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, what that's, the fuck that's was That's Scout they? Niblet. I don't know if you guys, she's also, I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah, familiar Scout with her backstory. I also recorded, uh, if not for Secretly Canadian, maybe for Drag City. One of the two labels, and was also the center English, but for whatever reason was in in that Midwest indie rock folk scene, and she was a thing. I mean, there was I've heard the name before. Yeah. I didn't know who it was. Well, I'm not running out to buy any of her records anytime soon. I'll just say that. <laughs> do you? Uh, let me ask you this, because I don't know his entire canon. Yeah. But I mean, like, do you find is it curious to you that somebody who is so prolific? Put out songs that were, in many cases, so measured and spare, and obviously, like that's not that's not he he varied his approach as he evolved as an act. Yeah. But I don't know. So the so before this album, the songs were even spare. So before this album, it was a lot of, I mean, two chord songs. I mean, it, it was like a Will Oldham or Bonnie Prince Billy record, like taken down to the studs. This was really a coming out. I, you know, this was. Part of the attraction of this of this album, first of all, Steve Albini recorded it so that that loose in the room sound you hear recorded is, is is the way to say it because he won't allow himself to be called, to a, be producer. called a producer. Yeah. I didn't right. know that until recently. No, he just I mean he he just this is the sound he oh, this is the sound of the room and this was the first time that Jason Molina um, had his own band. He recorded with mostly himself and then um, since you mentioned Flying Nun Records and we talked about New Zealand and Australia. He recorded an album with oh they're not actually Scottish Arab Strap is that band Scottish they're they're not Scottish okay so they're not yeah he recorded one album with Arab Strap as his backing band but this was the first time he had a band so it, this does sound different and if you so his previous records are much sparer than this and then his future records got more lush because he started being uh, he started experimenting with more like Americana sounds and he found a little like very little bit of success there but this was the Watershed album well do, why don't we listen to one of these songs off this record yeah um, do you have one in mind that you might want I'd want to start with the opener which is called Farewell Transmission which is I think about as um, appropriate of a, a title and opener for this album um, as I could have imagined the whole place is dark First track on the album, it's called Farewell Transmission, and uh, five or so years later, Jason Molina drank himself to death. So this is, this is it's hard to not read this as a suicide note, but that, this song, if I, first of all, I think it's a beautiful song, and I take the, uh, the Neil Young fronting my morning jacket as like a tremendous uh, compliment. Uh, compliment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think he was. I don't think he was saying that in. Like, oh, I didn't. Take no, it no. Oh. It's just that's that's immediately what hit me over the head when I listened to this thing. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't. Um, so for me, yeah, I, I I don't worry whether it sounds um, derivative or familiar, any of that, any of that. Because for me, this song is uh, um, someone wrestling with about as simply and honestly their irrelevance uh, as anyone can do in music. I mean, I. I, lyrically, um, it's om- it's almost as simple as the things that like Leonard Cohen would write. You know, when he says, when Jason Molina says, um, what does he say in that middle in that middle verse? Um, he's, the real truth about it is, no one gets it right, and the real truth about it is, we're all supposed to try. Like that that is the existential that who has like I can't think of a lyric that's that's better at getting to the core of the existential dilemma. 
we're all going to fuck up. We're not going to get it right. And every single day we have to try. And there's he something. He was pretty self aware, it would yeah. seem. Yeah, the motherfucker yeah. could write lyrics, and there's no denying that. Yeah. And that's, that's, I just feel like this is like, it's a heart, it's a, it's a heartbreaking sort of alternative country rock song. Um, that's, that's incredibly poetic, especially knowing what would happen over the next five years of his life. Yeah, that's some crazy ass tragedy. And like, I, the, his official cause of death was multiple organ failure due to alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. due to alcoholism. That's just, but that's just a crazy like. I don't know. It's just a crazy thing to like hear, like multiple multiple organ failures. Thirty-seven years old, and I think he was thirty-nine. Actually, was he thirty-nine? But, yeah. but, but still, yeah, for sure, y- like yeah. way too young. And you know, and he was from it was from the Midwest, and he lived in you know he he actually had a minute living down here in Austin. He recorded an album with Will Johnson. And and he he lived in um, he lived in Ireland. He recorded an album with Glenn Hansard. Yeah, um, they oh. recorded some songs together. Not even not a full album, um, but ultimately he spent most of his life in the Midwest. And I, you know, he, a lot of his songs, especially on this album, evoke sort of a working class spirit. But I, I read his biography, and he he went to Oberlin College. So he was like he was like not that he was upper middle class, but he went to this up, fairly uppity liberal liberal arts college. And I just wonder what. You know, this kid who might have been a kid like someone I would have gone to college with went on this trajectory where he had this like tortured genius that ended up ended up the way it did. I think you know a lot of times that stuff starts with just ambition, and then you just it just takes you sort of like it's the cast of characters that you kind of take on, and then you become a character within that, and you become a character within your songs, and then you have this idea of what it's supposed to be like. To, I mean, how many countless countless people got hooked on heroin because they heard Keith Richards was a heroin addict, you know, and this it's there's there's that I, I suspect there's some truth in that, yeah. yeah. But you 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 actually kind of bring up a, an interesting uh counterpoint here, which is that it, the point's been made that like for for a record that is kind of associated with an artist who ended up drinking himself to death, it's not really a drinking record. It's not a like well, you're not gonna be a hoisting a pint. No, there's a, there's a sober. Record. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, well, there's. I mean, there's a couple. So, there's a couple songs about him trying, about him really trying to be better. There's a song about you know. There's a. I think it's the second song on the album where he's going back to his ex, his ex who has clearly strayed while he was gone, and he he's like I'm, he's like I'm back. I I'm trying to live clean, and I come back, and uh, you're not you're not the person. That, that I left. Um, no, it's. I think it's a very sober record for some. And I, he might have been sober during the so recording of this record. This, I, I'm, I'm checking my timelines, but I think this was about around the time when he first started going into programs to to try and, and battle what obviously his was, afflictions. His, his yeah. yeah, that's what this record feels like to me. Someone who is in the battle. Someone who's uh, who's d- thinks they're not going to win, but but is trying about as hard as they can. It's also interesting to me, uh, going back quickly to Secretly Canadian, as to how he ended up on that record label in the first place, which was that essentially they heard um, a cassette of his debut single, Soul, in early 1996. And I'm cribbing this from the from Secretly Canadian's release after he passed away. And they said, we approached him about releasing a single on a newly formed label. For some reason, he said yes. Mm-hmm. We drove from Indiana to New York to meet him in person, and he handed us what would become the first of many GMO master tapes. So it sounds like even, he always had a like a work ethic. He was always turning stuff out. Dude is prolific, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, like, constantly putting out releases. And I've, I've just discovered this, you know, in the last week researching this. But, like... You know, may have had his demons, but didn't stop him from working. Which is why it was kind of great that he did that. And it's a shame that he didn't actually do a tour with Will Johnston. But I mean, that, that's the most prolific motherfucker I've ever met in my life. Like, is he uh, is it Centromatic? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Among various other mini various projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South San Gabriel, Will Johnston, yeah. other bridge yes. names. That's his name. South St. Gabriel, Will, Will Johnson. Well, South St. Gabriel, Will Johnson, yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny, I think, Shane, you mentioned um, the, the the path of the life being determined by like the cast of characters that he both surrounds himself with and decides to play. A, lo- a lot of the um, uh, posthumous biographies on him talked about that basically that he was a compulsive liar, that he would... I saw that. That yeah. he would just... Like, almost in like a Bob Dylan-esque way, like when you read more about Bob Dylan, like Bob Dylan saw himself as just like a set of vaudeville characters. I, I don't... I don't. You know, I have no reason to believe that Jason Molina um, thought about it in those terms, but he, there, he definitely... 
he definitely wanted to sort of craft a a version of himself. Well, when uh, you say liar, you're, you're not saying it like um, like he was a dick. You're saying it more like he it was like a big put on. I'm guessing it, uh, somewhere in between. I think it's unclear. I mean, I think some people were like, we he was lying. He would lie about things randomly all some the time. Like sometimes. He's pathological, and some people are like he's a he's a storyteller. He's right, a, he yeah. spins yarn. It's unclear. He's doing yeah. some kind of Andy Kaufman esque. Well, uh, I mean, it, well, stunt. It, it, it doesn't have to, I mean, it could be. It, it could very well be both of those things. I mean, it yeah. just I, you know, it depends. A lot of times when you see people like fall down in like whatever drug perpetuated situation that they're in, like you know, it, 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 they can start taking people on rides. I mean. Uh, you see a lot of liars in those situations. Well, mm-hmm. And the the label claims that this is the final ab- album as Songs of Haya, but he then would later claim that this was the first, the first album, album for Magnolia Electric Company. Chicken right. and Eggs. Yeah, yeah, they, right. yeah they, they promoted it as Songs of Haya, but he actually thought it was a different... But it's... I mean, it's... Neither here nor there, really. It's still him. It does. It does not sound like the songs of higher records. It sounds much more like the Magnolia Electric Company records. So it says on the Wikipedia page that he was highly influenced by Black Sabbath. <laughs> I'm not really getting that uh, on this record. Uh, I mean, you know, good on you, Black Sabbath. Good stuff. Um, it was funny. Don't really hear it. <laughs> The, the, some of the early records, uh, Didn't It Rain and Lioness, I, are really stripped down. I mean, like I said, th- some of those are two, uh, the same two and a half chords for enti- like the entire album. And it re- I, I could, I mean, I could, I could imagine describing it as like Will Oldham fronting Black Sabbath. I kept, I kept thinking Will Oldham when I was listening to this. I was, I was thinking like, would it be amazing if somebody just went in there and like dropped in like, he was highly influenced by Carlos Santana. Like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like, like, no, I mean, it seems like somebody was just making a joke on the... Like Buckwheat Zydeco. He was highly uh, influenced by Buckwheat Zydeco. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Not getting true. it. Uh, Manny, you want to pick another song? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. There's, I love every song on this album. And I think... I think maybe as a transition into the into the intermission, why don't we why don't we choose one of the songs that Jason Molina didn't do vocals on? Um, so why don't we maybe choose "Old Black Hen," which is uh, the, the vocals by a guy from Kansas who moved to Chicago named Lawrence Peters, a, a guy from like the band Kansas, because he he doesn't sound like the, <laughs> he does not sound like the, no he sounds he no, sounds like uh, uh, Sturgill Simpson a little bit. He does. He's like a traditional country country mm-hmm. singer. At you again, singing the bad luck calling by. Come right on in, cause it's midnight again. Time for the bad luck calling by. You know the one, it's the same one you saw when you worked on. I mean, the song's a decent song, and, and I think like, it's a good song. And the guy's a pretty decent singer. It's just it comes so far out of left field compared to the first few. Songs. Oh, I thought like uh, my I Spotify had like skipped to a different record or I, something. I was in like another, I'd hit something. I, I was in another room and, I, and like I had to go back and be like, did it just did it go to another record? Oh, and then the song after it's got like a female singer. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I was really confused. Um, however, do dig the song. I mean, it's a good song. Um, it's kind of like you know if you think about uh, Albini and recording this live. It's almost like it was all just done in one take, and this is like this was his his bathroom break, Melina's bathroom break. He, <laughs> he goes yeah. off, he leaves the stage, and 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 a couple people Comes come back on and he likes to, like to know, sit in. And it doesn't it doesn't sound like a pavement record at all, but it but it does like I could I had similar thoughts about like this all sounds like let's sit down and knock it out in one take. It's not doesn't feel like it's overproduced, even with a big. Name I like the it. sound. I like the sound of this record, but. Yeah, I, I love the sound of this of this record com- compared to his other records. Like I said, I um, it, it's the, his early records are an acquired taste. Now I've acquired that taste, but I acquired it. This was sort of like the gateway. This was the gateway for me. And I think of this record a little bit as like Jason Molina's last waltz. 
where he kind of got some friends together and he's like, hey, this song, there's a country song I wrote and I got a, I got a buddy who's in town and I'm going to have him sing this song. And he was friends with Scout Niblet through, uh, through, the, through the scene, as, through the Midwest scene as well. And, you know, I'm going to have her sing one of my songs. And I, I also think this is a song of Jason Molina kind of just showing off like, hey, I can write a hell of a country song. I mean, it's yeah. it's just a darn good Did country he write song. That song. He, no, he oh, wrote this, that song. This, yeah. Every song is is his. He just brought in this guy Lawrence Peters to do vocals. Did he only Did he only do vocal? I mean, did he play other instruments in the band, or did he just come in to play or to sing? All no, he just did, he he just sang this song. And I'll I'll candidly not my favorite song on the album, um, but I want. But there's a there's something about this record that reminds me a little bit of the last waltz where jason molina like surrounded himself with people and had a bunch of songs uh, that he that he he didn't necessarily think he was the best person to do vocals on i like that idea that 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 takes a lot of balls to to do that well apparently this was his first time like uh branching out that way like i guess like he'd kind of been a little bit of a control freak and then he was like screw it let's bring some folks in yeah, yeah, and and then the Molina Johnson record is probably the the other example where they uh, they wrote they truly wrote the songs together, you know, and 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 he and he did you know he did the same thing with Glenn Hansard um, apparently as well. So I well, think as as he got older, he was or as he got older, he started being more comfortable collaborating. Also, what is it about being friends with Glenn Hansard that keeps killing musicians? Like, oh yeah, that is true. At least at least two, but like that we know of, that we know of. Yes. Uh, we were conspiracy. So, so this is this is apropos of nothing, but I just I find it amusing. Shane Bartell is wearing a Shane Bartell T-shirt. I am. It's very meta. Thanks for. I didn't know your last name, out. but I don't, yeah. Now that I know that, and, <laughs> I have a million. He's questions. wearing his own swag. And, uh, <laughs> well, I I had a, to be fair, I had a zipped up hoodie with a T-shirt underneath it. But he I didn't set up a table, a merch table this week, which we really no, to try to sell. <laughs> hey, yeah, did we do we do need a merch table in here. With just my stuff on it? Yeah, Every just week, Shane like, Bartell swag. You guys will buy something? Yeah. Well, I was hoping that we'd just uh, try and move the zingers, like the the bumpers at the front of the show. Oh, we can okay. come in and buy like three seconds worth of witty. Buy some uh, oh, yeah. witty banter? Yeah. yeah. Uh, who's who's got the middle this week? Yeah. I do. I knew that um, that this week was going to be somewhat of a, a downer record. I mean, great, pretty, pretty listen, but I knew the conversation. Good record, but man, yeah, there is a downer. Well, it's, like, it's, not, it's not just a downer record. It's the fact that like he just recently died from, like in this incredibly tragic well, way. Well, and it says personal life. Like He was estranged from his wife. They had no children yeah. Like at the time of his death. Yeah, like, I mean, there's, it's a heavy, damn, it's a heavy shit. So I, I thought I was trying to think of something to, to, to bring a little levity if possible. What do you have, like Barbie Girl coming up or something? No, not like that. <laughs> no, I'm going a little bit further than that. But um, I don't know. So I, I went through a few things, and this is a video that I've really been wanting to bring to the show. Um, and that's um, I Want to Sex You Up by Color Me Bad. And oh, yeah, that's so Change of Pace. That is Change of Pace. That's yeah. some levity so, right there. So, Mark, can you, can you cue that up for us? And we'll listen to um, I Want to Sex You Up by uh, Color Me Bad. Yes, in many, many ways, um, you're welcome. But, I, you know, it's funny because 
I remember Tell us why it's funny. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> there are no, lots of reasons aside, why it's funny. Aside from, aside from the video itself, one of the Color Me Bad singers, by the way, it's Bad Dada, uh, Color Me Bad Dada. Bad with two Ds. With two Ds. One of the, one of the, the, the singers, um, he looks remarkably like Kenny G. A lot. And I almost, I almost decided this week that I wanted to play Songbird by Kenny G, but I, I did the last minute. Dude, that I was, shit's not funny, man. I know you think it's going to be funny. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not going to do But, that. like, it's just a dick move. But I was, that's why <laughs> Don't I Don't do that. I didn't want you to have to suffer through it. Yeah. Well, me uh, bad. well thanks. So, so thanks for this respite. Yeah, you're welcome. So there, uh, this is much more music. Um, two, the only two things I know about this group, as it were, um, they're from Oklahoma City. Which you don't. I did not know that. I thought oh, they were like a Philadelphia. Thing. I would have guessed Long Island or yeah. New Jersey. Yeah, you don't uh, often see like like uh, like R and B groups like that come out of Oklahoma City. No, um, tell and, no. And now, so the main guy, the main singer, the guy with like the pencil thin mustache and like the, the the sunglasses, the round ones that flip up. Yeah, the kind of vanilla ice looking dude. Right. Um, he uh, he is actually left the music industry, or uh, as of a couple years ago, I saw this. Like what are they doing now? Kind of like show or something like hungover mm-hmm. on a Saturday, and uh, he he put on about 150 pounds. Jesus, completely unrecognizable, and he owns and operates a tire shop in Oklahoma. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. Yes, it's awesome. But uh, you could not go further away. Like he looks like the kind of guy that would have a big like hunk of red man chewing tobacco, and you know while he's changing out your tires. And then, like, somebody goes, by the way, I used to be the lead singer of Color Me Bad. So all of the R&B sort of rushed out from his body. Yeah. There is no R&B left in him. Well, no. Oklahoma sucked it out of him. Oklahoma, yeah. like, he went back to Oklahoma, and he, has, and he operates a tire shop now. I kind of think that if you're, if you're going to let yourself go, though, like, really let yourself go. Like, all the way. Oh, yeah. All the way out. I'm telling you, man. You know, like, when you go to the, you know, like, the whole, like, uh, the faux like working man garb that Larry the cable guy wears, you know, with the sh- with the shirt sleeves torn off and the 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 work shirt. Well, that guy like had that on except for real, and he I, like puts like he like fixes your flat tires and shit. That's, what I would love to see would be like the you know kind of the behind the music interview of like bands like this and all of these these type Milli Vanilli acts or whatever that um, didn't see grunge coming. And then, like, you know, like a hiccup later, it's like, yeah, no, those guys are fine flannel. Yeah, like, 91, you guys said, right? 1991. It was a hiccup later. I will say this. I want to say one other thing. I, 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 I have two takeaways, but you go first. I want to comment. I just want to comment quickly on what you said about Milli Vanilli. I mean, say what you want, and I'll say what I want, and we can laugh all goddamn day about it because it's really fucking funny. But those guys actually were singing, so at least there's that. And they, oh, sure. They, they, they had nice voices, and they could fucking... Actual singers and choreography and whatnot. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not our bag, and it's pretty goddamn hilarious, but, like... All right, so... I, want, feel, I feel like Annie Samberg has That's exactly going to be call. one of my two points. Yeah. Well, the first one is that um, it's like a companion piece to King Moon Knockin' Boots. Uh, yep. And the second... Without this shit, uh, no dick in a box. No dick in a box. Yeah. Yeah. I just remembered as soon as you said that, like when he's he, uh, I think uh, um, Justin Timberlake does have those sunglasses where he flips them, or one of them flips them down, like the same sunglasses Homeboy was wearing in that video right now. Yeah, they, like they owe uh, a huge debt of gratitude to this band and apparently to a to well, our shop. Yeah, they should at least go get their tires changed or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you are in Oklahoma City, Andy Sandberg, uh, <laughs> go, go get your, go get your tires tire serviced. Changed. <laughs> well, now, so now I saw this just a minute ago on Wikipedia that apparently they are reactive as of t- 2011 with three of the original members or three new three members minus the really fat guy. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, do, you, do you mean that they're active again or that they're just that, that, acting as it, Color Me no, Bad and says, then reacting? To like, that's what I that would be fascinating. I don't know who the members are now if they were the same members as uh, as they were at the time. But you know how it says like years what? active like. 1990 through 1996, and then it skips and it says 2011 through, you know, now. Weren't there like two different versions of Frankie Goes to Hollywood that were extant at the same time, and there was like controversy as to which one was the real one? Was one of them no, in no, Hollywood? No, that would no, that there was. There, I definitely know that there were two different versions of um the the band When in Rome. We talked about that before. There's like When in Rome featuring so and so. I think Frankie Goes to Hollywood had the same thing going on, but I could be wrong. It's happened once before. Uh, you know what I know about Frankie Goes to Hollywood? That Relax Don't Do It song. 
That's yep, that's that the that's thing that I know about the them. Extent of my Frankie goes to Hollywood knowledge. Period. Uh, can we put a fork in this part? Yeah, let's <laughs> let's. I think we're done here. Uh, let's get on back into some songs on that. So, uh, a welcome respite from uh, Shane's intermission choice. Uh, let's go back and talk a little bit about um, Songs of Hire. And I guess the you know, last track that we that we spun um, was a departure. But beyond that, and then, of course, the, the, you know, the opening track that we listened to in, in the podcast is one that kind of gets, gets uh, bandied about, and probably pretty fairly, as a table center for the entire record. Um, Maddie, you're, you're on record as saying that there's not a track on this album that you don't really appreciate for one reason or another. Um, was there anything, as you've gotten to know it, that surprised you in one way or the other? Well, I, I, th- I think you guys probably hit upon it. I think the Scout Niblet song is 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 the the one song that when I listen to it, I say that bears no resemblance to uh, to the rest of the album, just because her voice is so abrasive. Is <laughs> I call it abrasive? She kind of has like a like a Billie Holiday thing, but it's not as, not as good. That is the craziest thing I've I think ever that's heard. Generous. Like I think that's generous. Really no, no, I'm, I'm not saying and, it's and as Billie good. Billie Holiday's saying, like, I mean, like, as though somebody were, like, taking the air out of a balloon and, like, and completely tuneless at the same time. <laughs> right. Point. I'm just saying there's a little bit. Uh, I'm not saying it's anywhere near as good. No, it's not anywhere near as good. A little bit of Angel Olsen, though, in that. Yeah, I, I can see a that. A little bit of that. It's an acquired Angel Olsen's still better. It's an no, it's an acquired taste. So I think that's probably the one. That's probably the one song. But but for me, for me, the the album. There's something just big and sprawling about the album, and it's got there's some there's some messy there's some messiness in it. But I, also, we talked a little bit about the recording. There's some messiness in 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 the sound as well. It's all there. He's letting it all hang out. Uh, so I, I, for me, that's also part of its charm. Recording being a little bit messy doesn't bother me at all. No, me, me neither. However, um, these songs don't like uh, they take their time getting there. They're patient. Um, long. Long. These are patient really songs. Really long really songs. Long. So I'm like, oh, it's only eight songs long. I'll, I'll be okay. I'll get through this real quick. Nope. Uh, Fifty-five minutes later, right? Yeah. So this is this is for me like uh, like this is a Neil Young album. This is this That's is the, the, the first the, thing I went to. There's yeah. like an immediacy to it. There's a, I'm going to try some stuff, and some of it's going to be awkward. But my heart, you know, my heart's on my sleeve, and uh, you know, it's much less political. You know, he's not a political guy. He's a better lyricist than Neil Young, I think, quite frankly. Well, um, and, and and I love Neil Young, but there's I will say this, and people will laugh laugh at me and and have before. I don't think there's a Neil Young album that I like as much as this album. There now, there's period. Actually, I don't. I think there's a bunch of Neil I Young songs that I like. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm kind of that way with Neil Young. Like, I don't think I've ever listened to a whole Neil Young album that I was like, you know yeah, what? nailed it. Neil Young, but there are certain Neil Young songs that I, I think are and great. Half, half an album, maybe half an right. you know, Lars had this whole. Th- I think we may have talked about this on the on the show before, but there are some bands. Your friend Lars, uh, my friend, producer. Yeah, he uh, he said like I was talking about the band James one time. He said, "You know what? That band is the band in the most need of a greatest hits album." And right. Same thing with Squeeze. Squeeze has a greatest hits album. And that's by far the best fucking album they ever put out. Like, yeah, there there is no like one hundred percent great James album. There are great James songs, right? There's amazing James songs, but but it's sort of the same thing I think with Neil Young. Like, like there are a lot of good Neil Young songs, but man, there's a lot of unlistenable shit. Well, like, I, have, oh. I got almost every Neil Young record before 1980 on a shelf, and the record I play most is Neil Young Decade. I play the greatest hits more than I play... It's the, right, it's the best. Well, right. you're supposed to be embarrassed about that. I, like, I should you be, know. but I don't play Harvest, I don't play After the Gold Rush, you know... I, I, but but, but, but mm. both of those records have great... Both, both of those... Um, the title tracks on both of those so, uh, records are, are amazing, but there's like... You know, it's they can be tough listens, especially if you're, you know, like... Neil Young, if you're not like a just a diehard Neil Young fan for whatever, like you ran into him when you were in high school or something like that, the hits or the greatest hits, you know, are good. But you know, that's why the that's why there's greatest hits albums, or there should be. Well, in you know, like I I think we should address this at some point. Um, 
it shouldn't be embarrassing to love greatest hits compilations. It shouldn't be embarrassing to love the hits from certain artists because, like, that's why they're hits. Well, there's two fucking reasons why people do that stuff, man. They're, they're, they're like they're not a real fan. If right. You don't they're like the, fans, you don't like right. the deep tracks. Yeah, like that. sometimes the deep tracks suck. <laughs> right, you're, right. You're reason they're deep. They're buried for a reason. Yeah, uh, you know it's. It's okay to, to like stuff that's like really catchy. Well, but I think a lot of times people see the greatest hits records, and you know, rightfully so, as deliberate cash outs by the labels. You know, an attempt to either get money from an artist that's leaving the label for another label. That or, does happen. And so I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people see that as just really crass and cynical. But also, yeah, hey, you don't know the deep cuts. Yeah, like you don't. You're not a real fan. Well, and let's be honest. Like part of what you're talking about is the aesthetic of the album as a as a you know delivery device, which is like it's frankly like the models just in many ways like in many ways has changed. Um, we're seeing some some of that traditionalist approach that is starting to seep back in. But but generally speaking, it's like as a unit of like ten songs, twelve songs, or whatever. Um, you know, they're just not consumed the same way. I'm a big fan, by the way, of eight song albums. Uh, other, you know, other albums that would have been too um, well known to have proposed. I, w- I was thinking about probably the album I've listened. The two albums I listened to most in my whole life are Television, Marquee Moon, and Van Morrison, Astral East. Well, we've two already eight- covered uh, Television. Right. Uh, so two eight song sprawling albums. Yeah, those There's are a third. Those are both sprawling. Have sprawling songs on them. Yeah, we had a whole discussion about it. entertainment in this room. <laughs> okay. and, and so I think back to my teens and early 20s, and the albums I liked most then were really like angsty albums. And then I think to my early 20s and 30s, and the albums there, by and large, were ones where I was looking for like inspiration. But this is like a middle-aged album for me. Like This is an album of my 40s. This is like, um, this is like the hourglass is maybe turned over. What the hell, do, you know? What the hell does it all mean? That's so you got to be in that place to to be okay with this record. Yeah, I could see that. Well, do you have a uh, third song? Yes, um, queued up. It wouldn't be appropriate uh, if we didn't uh, end on the big, maybe one of the bigger downers of the album. Why don't we put on uh, John Henry "Split My Heart"? Stood on the sixty-six highway. going for it on that one I, that, for me that's I'm picturing him standing up on the mountain basically saying like God take me he's, he's saying you know I got this giant heart it hurts too much just take a hammer and break it for well, that's me what, what's the legend of John Henry is that he was like trying to like uh, beat like, the like, locomotive like through a yeah, beating the machine he was the beating machine. the machine through, yeah. yeah through a mountain or something yeah. yeah yes and his heart burst his heart exploded his heart burst yeah uh, yeah, heavy stuff, man. He- yeah, heavy stuff. It, I almost, it almost feels silly talking about that because, yeah. <laughs> I want to sex you up. Yeah. Except different. Yeah. But that, that's, uh, that's the, that song is the climax of the album for me. I mean, and, and then, and then, you know, it, it, it kind of goes into a denouement with, um, with the country, with the country, with, uh, the Lawrence Peter song, the Scout Niblet song. And the last song is like this really wistful, um, hold on Magnolia. Uh, I dig that song. That's a pretty song, that last song. Yeah, yeah listeners, you should go check that out, too. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to play it, but uh, yeah, check it out. Fuck it. Check out the whole record if you want. I think it's a, I think it's a solid record. It is record. a solid record. I was just kidding. You were just yeah. trying to tell them to go check out one song off of the entire album. Check out the about. whole record. 
Um, and when Secretly Canadian uh, reissued it on vinyl, they did. It's pretty amazing because there's an alternate version of the album, which is just him doing the whole album acoustically. So he does vocals on all the songs, including the you know including the ones that he, uh, Lawrence Peters and Scout Niblet did. And it's just a stripped down version of the album. But the songs really hold up, even just him and a guitar. Wasn't that the name of the um, like in you know the old like Green Giant ads like oh. Sc- it was Scout? niblet, no, niblet. Yes. like like that, the little the, the little, little bunny little sidekick, right? Like I'm pretty you, sure you may be right. right. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, anyway. I was wondering. Um, Secretly Canadian doesn't it have like a companion label that's actually the same company, but they release different stuff. Jag Jaguar, Jag yeah. Jaguar. That's yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. both started in Bloomington. Jag Jaguar moved to uh, Brooklyn, and Secretly Canadian is a real juggernaut in Bloomington. They. Uh, they have a they have a store a retail store they have a huge distribution center it's a it's a thriving business that employs a lot of people it's like a real bands on it yeah tons I think the bon- the, the first Bonavera and maybe even the other maybe the recent ones are but the first Bonavera record the breakthrough records on that label well it's encouraging to know that stuff is still coming out on indies that's you know that really like that's breaking new ground yeah it's encouraging to always <coughs> to just so hear I mean stuff it, that's I guess if you look at it like it's probably like Matador, Sub Pop, Merge, uh, Secretly Canadian, Jag Jaguar, like that. I mean, like those are kind of the the, the big ones that are still kind of for indie chugging right? them out. Yeah. Uh, well, and, like and Matador records and stuff like that. I'm sure there's are crushing. You know. Yeah. And Matador is part of the Beggars Group and XL and 4AB right. are still doing a lot. Yeah. But there's, I'm sure that yeah, I'm sure that there's, uh, um, I'm sure there's like pop punk emo metal. And Everybody's got their little niche that are, labels that are, that are yeah. crushing in their own way as well. Well, now we know, guys. Yeah. Are you, um, Maddie? Thanks for thanks for picking the record this week. I, I, I'm, I'm it's, remember acquired taste. I, I've, I'm getting a warm reception to the album. I think if you listen to it like two or three thousand times alone, when you're a little bit depressed, you're gonna love it. This, <laughs> is, a, this is a recurring theme on the show that like some records are like. We know that it rewards repeated listenings. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's stuff that we... And I've taken a couple passes through it, and I definitely like it more the second time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like the record. Like, I, it, I don't... <clears throat> it's gonna... You know, I liked it very much. You know, it's just one of those... It's just all about the opinions at the end of the day. Yeah. Are we, uh, are we ready for a cool thing? Can we... Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... What, yeah. What, what, Tell what do you got for us? Okay. Um, yeah, so this week we're going to listen to a track by a band from Sydney called uh, Middle Kids. It's called uh, Edge of Town. I cannot remember anything you say when the streets are talking. Yeah, they call my name. And I walk a little further. I could go all day. And the trees are reaching, pointing out the way. That was Hannah Joy, lead singer of the Middle Kids, band from Sydney, Australia, and uh, she's got something on her mind. So, Evidently. Yes. I heard about that a couple of times. So, um, I draw no parallels. Like, like normally, you know, when I hear something new, I immediately go to, like, the there's things that it reminds me of. I don't have any. There's some 90s stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like belly, maybe? No, a little? There's a little bit of belly stuff, but I mean, a lot of British, like... I mean, but it, it, you got to put it in like early two thousands. Like you don't know, just put put you know connected dots and stuff like that. That song fucking kills. It's a great song. It's like great I just song I just normally have uh, like uh, comparisons, and I don't have any. Well, really. you know, so that says two things. Number one, you shouldn't always try to fucking have comparisons to shit. I don't mean to. They just show up. Well, I don't know. It's an occupational hazard, I think, from doing the show a little bit. But I do think, like to your to your point, Ryan, like you know, 
bands like this are kind of like sounds like this are kind of interesting in that like it doesn't sound like they're doing something that you've never heard before but it just doesn't sound derivative so. well it's a great it's just a great song it's a great pop song and each, each a little bit like her fellow australian courtney barnett like half the song she sounds really bored and then the other half she sounds really See, i love me some courtney barnett and this doesn't sound anything like that to me. i don't think that she her voice sounds like courtney barnett i think that her board there's a part of the path of it she's like i'm just sort of disaffected and bored i'm very very mm-hmm. sort of i'm gonna um, mumble and um, almost mumble my way through this, and then and then she she gets a feeling, and then you know it gets then, then, there's, then there's a rave, on, right? Yeah. And then it happens. The video made me think of uh, that one by uh, Car Seat Headrests that we oh we yeah, yeah, kind of the the old house, the bands hanging yeah. on the old yeah. House I think I mean it feels like kind of a familiar wallpaper. And yeah, yeah, it yeah. kind of had the same like kind of washed out thing. Yeah, just sitting here on a couch playing its own. But you know, to that to that end too, it's like as of the last piece that I read in this this act, I don't think they put out a full album yet. They've just put out some. They just singles. put out a few songs. So yeah. um, maybe that means they'll be for South by, which would be fun. So if you probably play Austin eleven shows in three days, yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, it's super saturated. Better for us. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was uh, that was Middle Kids. Good choice. Hey, thanks. That was good stuff. Well, Maddie, thanks for sitting in with us. Uh, it's truly been fun. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, and Thank thanks you. for letting us sit in. Period. Uh, yeah, let us here for a while. Thanks for letting us be squatters in your uh, yeah. Because last domain. year, last year this time we had a tiny little little heat, baby here, little heady, little heady, little heady, little heady in uh, Mark's garage, like trying to keep ourselves warm. So. We would do like literally like the first tenth of every broadcast would be talking about it's too hot or <laughs> it's too cold or Mark has this weird Godspell poster up that we can't understand. Which, so, when, why better. did the Godspell poster go away right. like this? Mark had this like huge Godspell banner. There's a theater he, drop, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And then it just left for some got reason. Got replaced by like a giant checkered flag. For a time, we, we had the, the cheap trick backdrop for a time, and then, uh, and then we went to solid black. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, he just liked to change shit up every so often. All right, yeah, let's get you. But uh, R- yeah, thanks, Ryan. Are you, are you going to go back to next week? Are we doing uh, Dolly? We are doing Dolly. Dolly, uh, yeah, Jolene, uh, which yeah. I already have listened to. Uh, but yeah. we we should go back and listen well, to it again. Let's go ahead, yeah, and then we can talk about it. We shall. All right, all right. Well, until next week, I'm Kevin. I'm Shane. I'm going to be Ryan until next week and forevermore. But yes, Ryan. Forevermore. I'm going to be Mark, I guess. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for joining us. This is Susan Exit. Really, I'm not going to tell you again. It's message somebody at gmail.com if you got an email. You can also find us on Facebook at Somebody Likes It. Uh, they're on the Facebooks. Uh, come see us or the kitten gets it. <laughs>